Hey gang, this is Lisa Peck, and welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck podcast. I am so excited about helping you learn how to be more relationally attuned. In a world filled with struggles and conflict and tension, I hope to make relational health fun and easy. Not all of us need therapy, not all of us can afford therapy, but I believe all of us can grow more wise and insightful and engaging in the connections we have with ourselves, with others, and with our God. I'm convinced that all of us can learn the art of calm, of awareness, and of investing relationally. Through my podcast, I hope to give you an opportunity to listen and maybe even practice with your own people. And in so doing, together, we get to help usher in a relational revival. Welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck. True Confessions. This interview did not go where I thought it was going to go. It went to a far better place, which is kind of a theme in Rachel's story. On last week's podcast, we heard from Silly Uzalino about her rather recent experience with grief, having lost her husband three short years ago after having been married to Bill for almost 50 years. For the next two weeks, we're going to hear from Rachel Faulkner Brown about her journey through being widowed twice by the time she was 31 years old, which is a much different story with loss. Unlike Silly, Rachel looks back on her grief experience 10 years later and shares some of what she's learned and is still learning. Rachel and several of her friends birthed Be Still Ministries, a ministry where women gather to experience rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ through worship, testimony, and the power of prayer. She travels as a national speaker for the Folds of Honor Foundation, representing Gold Star families. She was even on Fox and Friends. Yet, I find her to be one of the most down-to-earth and hilarious women I know. A self-proclaimed seven, or the enthusiast on the Enneagram, gritty and pain avoidant. Listen in as Rachel describes through her losses how God revealed something much bigger about himself than she may have ever learned without these traumas. I doubt you'll need Kleenex for this interview, but please allow God to speak to your heart through her engaging story. Hope you enjoy. So Rachel, Share with us, how are you? And tell us about your experience with with grief. My story started in 1998. I met my first husband on the campus of the University of North Alabama, and we were college sweethearts, married the week after college, and had an incredible run at marriage for three and a half years. And then he went to play a game of pickup basketball Mm-hmm. and had an aneurysm which severed his spinal cord on the basketball court mm-hmm. and so he was killed instantly and at 23 years old my life was turned completely upside down with yeah. no children fortunately mm-hmm. um but he was 27 in the picture of health and um wow i just never dreamed that that would be my story nobody dreams that that's no. their story i mean nobody ever thinks that's going to happen to them and um so here i was just this widowed, you know, 10 days before my 24th birthday. And, you know, I, you cannot, you, you, when you're in it, you can't ever see that it's going to change. You know, it just feels so heavy and hard. And I would just sing and worship on my, you know, bedroom floor thinking, um, singing the song, give me Jesus by Fernando Ortega. So worship Mm -hmm. has been a huge Mm -hmm. part of my story, but 
but you know, even, even in those moments, it was just so lonely and dark. And, Mm. you know, even though I was letting the light in with the worship, it was still really hard, really hard. And, um, and nobody can understand because most 23 year olds are not widowed. Most 24 year olds are not, uh, some of them are not even married, let alone married and widowed. So that had to be so alone. Well, and 20 years ago, it was a little bit more common to get married right out of college. But Mm -hmm. even now, I mean, I look back and I'm like, oh, my word, people hadn't even gotten out of college at 21, most people. So to have been married at 23, you know, for three, I was almost 24, so three and a half years. I mean, I'd lived a lot of life, you Mm -hmm. know, in those years. And we were together for four before that. So yeah, it was just, um, and I'll never forget having the little widows group at church. They called themselves the Opals. Mm. They invited me to come to lunch. And I, I was just like, I love y'all, but y'all don't understand me. You don't get I me. Mean, you could be I'm my grandma. Like, well, and I mean, most of them had celebrated 50 years with their husband. I'm like, this is not my story, no. you know, and as much as I, you know, I would have been there really for them, not for me. And so I was just like, and that's okay too. But I was just like, I feel no desire to be going to the Opal's group. So, and you know, and even grief recovery and those grief shares and things like that, like, um, and you know, Lisa, you walked me through feeling again and recovery and grief because, I just avoided pain. Like I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And so avoiding pain is like my middle name. And so, you know, when that's kind of how you're wired and you're gritty and you've just Mm -hmm. seen work ethics off the charts, you don't, you're like, I'm okay. Right. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I can do Mm -hmm. this. And I went back to work two weeks later. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, um, that was like my, I mean, as most people, I mean, you, you, you're going to, fill the hole with something, you know? Yeah. And for me, I filled it with work and relationships and friends, but I would go and run the gamut at TJ Maxx and Hobby Lobby, blow mm. in some cash. Yep. Shopping became like mm. a real place of um, solace. It just felt good. It was like, you know, let me just go. I wasn't going to the bars. I yeah. mean, so, yep. you know, but nobody. Socially you know, acceptable. Yeah. It was just like, all right, let me just do the thing that makes us feel all better. Yeah. And that became shopping. And so um, I'll never forget, I balanced, I uh, overdrafted like, like four or five times. And I was so shamed about it. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm making money. It wasn't like I was, right. you know, not getting an income because I was still working. But I mean, talk about embarrassment. I was like, oh my gosh, I really have a problem. You know, like this is an issue right. because I just, you know, it just was so easy to just go through the motions and just to keep doing what I was doing. And that's the definition of insanity. So you know, there's right. that, right. but, but I did, you know, I did go back to work and then a year later kind of started dating again. And that was a, I mean, you know, dating after being widowed. Oh my gosh. I mean, just bless anybody out there. Listen, who's doing mm-hmm. that right now, because it is hard. Mm-hmm. It is not easy because I was, I always tell people I was mentally 60 years old, mm-hmm. but yet I was in a 25 year old body, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's just like, oh my gosh, like only people who are in their forties understand me, Exactly. you know? And so it just caused me to really gravitate towards older people who lived more life, you know, know, cause I grew up like, you know, I I aged 20 years in one day. You did. 
you did. Mentally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I did start dating again and um, met, well, I saw Blair Faulkner and he was home for Thanksgiving and he had, he was supposed to be an usher in our wedding, mine and Todd's wedding. And, you know, I mean, he mm-hmm. was, he was the older Air Force pilot who lived this grand life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, <laughs> well, that looks amazing. And he loves Jesus and his mom's desperate for him to get married. So, I mean, <laughs> I could be that girl, you know, so (laughs) it was amazing. So anyway, we had our first date and he brought me, um, a devotional, a Beth Moore devotional. And I was like, oh my gosh, sign the papers. I mean, I could marry you tomorrow because I don't have to think real hard when I meet it. I know. I mean, that's one thing about me is like, I pretty much know within the first month or two, if you're going to be the one. And I think most people do. We just overthink it, you know? Right. Right. And um, so spoken like a seven. Yes, I know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> totally. When's the next adventure? While I'm in the adventure, because I'm thinking um, of my five husband, and I, no, it took him several years to really think it through, discern it, just check every single possibility out there. So yeah, okay. I'm sorry, we digress. Uh, no, totally. I have a six child and a seven child, so it's like I get the gamut. You know, Davis is like, "Are you sure?" Everybody, I need everyone's opinion about <laughs> this one decision. I'm like, he's going to have a panel and Absolutely. interview all the girls that he's dated over the last few years and be like, okay, now y'all pick one for me. And, you know, I, honestly, as a mom, I'm like, I would do that for you. Right. That sounds amazing because she's going to be mine too, you Darn. know, on some level. Right. Let's discern it together. Okay, so. Family, you marry the family. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, we're no, okay. Anyway, yeah, it's, <laughs> so here we are, you know, dating and, and not long, we got engaged in March and married in July and it was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. And then we were married for five years, two babies. He's flying jets in Columbus, Mississippi and goes to work on April the 23rd, 2008. And, you know, it was like, when I say great, you know, it's so funny. Death happens. Like there's just no good time for death. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's just unbelievable how it just sneaks up. I mean, talk about a thief in the night, no a thief kidding. in the day. Yep. It is, you know, when people are sick and you know there's palliative care, it's so different. But when there's tragedy involved, it's just like, oh my gosh, like we had plans tomorrow and we were doing this. Right. this I mean, you know, it's so like disruptive in exactly. every kind of way. And so that was, you know, we had just the world on a string, these two babies. And he goes to work. And at 1230 that day on in April, 2008, he and his student pilot crashed on the runway. And, you know, I always, I, I always think back to that day, just the details as any person does who goes through trauma and you just try and relive like, God, what was, what was I thinking right before that happened? And what was mm-hmm. I thinking during it? And, You know, for me, I always say, you know, after they told me what had happened, I dropped the kids off. They told me what had happened, which I already knew in my spirit what had happened because no chaplain from the base calls you. And so they make the phone call and I walk back to my house in Genesis 50, 20, what you intended for harm, God intended for good and for the saving of many lives. And then, you know, at the end, Joseph goes on to say, fear not, I will take care of you and your little children. Well, I didn't know that verse. I mean, Mm -hmm. you talk about revelation of the word through pain and through death and through trauma. Oh, my gosh. You Mm -hmm. will never have more revelation of the word than when you do Mm -hmm. in trauma. And, I, you know, and honestly, that is such a gift. I mean, I hate to say it, but Mm -hmm. if you want to look for the good in things, like, 
that's the good. I will never forget that verse. Mm-hmm. It is seared on my heart. Indelible mark in your heart, for it's sure. Indelible. And that that's pain, though. Like, it leaves an indelible imprint. And it's like, I'm, I'm so, you know, on some level, I'm so proud to show you my scars because it's what Jesus has done. Yes. It's the healing. Mm-hmm. I'm not bleeding on you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They're healed up scars, but I can still see the imprint yes. and the impact. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and just like we see in his hands, like he's going to show us his hands one day. They're not going to be bloody. Um, and, he, you know, he's going to be like, I did this for you. And I'm like, I know. Yes, I mean, Absolutely. yes, you did. And yeah. I'm so, I mean, mm. you know, we won't have words. But right. anyway, mm. so it was just, you know, those that scripture was so seared on my heart. And I knew that I knew that I knew if lightning strikes you twice, there is a very big kingdom purpose to it. I'm mm. just going to tell you. Like, yep. I don't care what has happened to you. There is purpose in even your little mundane things that you, I mean, the details of our life are so his jam. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, oh gosh. Like if people could see that, like, you know, in it and then right on the other side of it, sometimes it's really hard in the grief, but right on the other side of it, if you can keep that top of mind, man, it's going to make your healing so much easier. What a gripping story. Can you imagine being almost 24 years old and losing your first husband? 24 years old. Rachel said she grew 20 years older in one day. The shock of grief for young widows is also quite different than those seasoned in marriage like Silly. How awkward the whole dating scene with men her own age How my heart aches with those of you like Rachel, experiencing some kind of pain or loss, feeling alone and very tempted to fill that void with something. For Rachel, it wasn't drugs or alcohol. It was work and relationships and shopping. She returned just two and a half weeks after Todd's death. You know, actually, that's a fairly common response to tragic and unexpected loss. There is a yearning for something to return to normal though nothing can ever truly be the same again. Her work ethic was so strong and desire to avoid pain so great, she filled her pain with busyness. Many of us can identify with that. I appreciated her willingness to share vulnerably about also medicating her pain through shopping. She stated it so honestly, let me do the thing that makes this all feel better. She described that time as lonely and dark She said, when you're in it, you can't see that it's going to change. Boy, how real that is. A year later, Rachel started dating. Shortly after that, she noticed, then married a fighter pilot, Blair Faulkner. Five years and two babies later, her husband and a student pilot were killed in a plane crash on the runway at their Air Force base in Mississippi. How bittersweet that the Lord prompted Rachel's heart with a knowing in her spirit before actually hearing the confirming words from the chaplain. And she found herself back in the same darkness she'd experienced before. You know, one of the things, one of the many things I love about Rachel, she watches for ways God will ground her. For all the trauma and pain and lonely awkwardness, she lived the verses she worshiped. Give me Jesus. Well, in summing up, 
like last time, as we hear the interviews of stories with those who've experienced grief, it's hard for me to give you an action step. Instead, I'd like to offer some insights, some thoughts or questions to ponder. Most of us cannot identify with the tragedy of Rachel's story, yet we can identify with the God of her story because he's also the God of our own. We have dear friends in California experiencing devastating fires where everything's been burned up. Last month, our friends in Florida, Georgia, and parts of Alabama were almost washed away in horrific hurricanes, again, having lost everything. The unexpected happens to all of us. It truly is a thief, like Rachel stated. As I reflect on the first part of this interview, two statements strike me. The first one, if lightning strikes you twice, there is a very big kingdom purpose in it. And the second one is pain leaves an indelible imprint. So does his word. It's seared into my heart. You will never have more revelation of the word than you do through trauma. Those are powerful words forged through the valley of the shadow of death in Rachel's life. But I wonder, could this guy I know be whispering the same message to you? None of us wake up excited and hopeful for the unexpected loss or trauma. In fact, there are many of us who become terrified of the what ifs. Watching the news fills us with dread. I wonder if instead, maybe just for today, all of us could practice giving thanks for the heavy and the hard. Maybe in retrospect, there is a truth God wants to establish in my head and my heart. Maybe we could invite the Lord to share his kingdom purpose in our pain. Maybe. Well, next week, we'll pick up where we left off with Rachel sharing about the impact her losses had on her parenting her definition of overcoming, and maybe another surprise or two. I'd also like to make you aware of another Revive workshop called Navigating Triggers. It's about what to do when you or someone around you gets triggered. You know, that $500 reaction to a 50 cent event? Mark your calendars. It will be from 10 to 1 on Saturday, December 1st in Huntsville, Alabama. Just like before, we'll provide lunch and some hands-on learning fun for the whole family, even those delightful teenagers. Register at revivewithlisapeck.com. Seating is limited. Okay, well, that's a wrap for today. Let me close with the words of Paul Young, author of The Shack. Every human being is holy ground, if we have the eyes to see it. Until next time.